What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. She's an urban torch singer who set the music world on fire. The flame inside Mary J. Blige was ignited by a tough childhood, a broken home, and a father who left when she was just nine years old. Mary J. Blige exploded to become a singing sensation, but she still couldn't find inner solace. The more her record sales rose, the further Mary's spirits seemed to fall. It took a brush with death for Mary to learn how to celebrate life. Now the queen of hip-hop soul, Mary J. Blige, the story behind the music. Her streetwise songs about hard knocks and bitter heartbreak have made her a legend in her own time. It's not like somebody just getting up there singing, trying to make some money or whatever. You really feel what she's saying. It's like, ooh, I just really felt real love. I just really felt pain in my heart, and I felt it through Mary's voice. She's like R. Aretha Franklin. You know what I'm saying, as far as hip-hop is concerned. With five platinum albums and 15 top 10 singles, Mary J. Blige is a bona fide superstar. Ironically, she has spent most of her career dogged by bouts of depression and self-doubt. This woman was in so much pain that all these wonderful things that were happening to her, all she really wanted in her life was to be loved for herself. Not the artist, not the star, but just plain old Mary. You have strangers that love you, but you don't believe in you, you're just singing. You're just an empty little kid singing. More than a decade into her career, Mary J. Blige is still searching for peace and is determined to find the happiness that has eluded her for so long. I don't know how to love myself yet, but I'm gonna learn. It's not too late for Mary J. Blige to fulfill her destiny, to carry out what, you know, in her dreams, what she knew she was gonna have. Mary Jane Blige's search for solace began in January 1971 in the Bronx, New York. 
The second of two daughters born to Thomas and Cora Blige, she saw life's dark side from day one. There was a lot going on in the house. And as a kid, I'm looking at it like, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't, none of it was good. It was all like abuse. We would fight, Cora and I, you know, verbally yelling, physically, you know, abusing one another. You know, I grew up with that because I've seen that a lot in my life. If you hit me, you're going to get hit back. We did more word than physical hitting, you know. Most of the time, if any hitting, it was me. But as a father, he was a great father to his kids. Yes, when he was there, he took farewell of his kids, and he loved them. Despite their stormy relationship, Thomas and Cora both doted on their children. And Thomas, an ambitious jazz man, exposed Mary to music at an early age. Mary, one years old, singing Earth, Wind, and Fire, and hitting the notes. <laughs> She used to sing, oh, my father, you know. Mary adored him, <laughs> you know. She's like, oh, daddy, 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 this, daddy, that. <laughs> but the older Mary got, the less she saw of her father. Touring small clubs throughout the U.S., Thomas Blige started hitting the road for months at a time. I was selfish, cold-blooded, um, ambitious, and, and music was my god. It came before my family, it came before my sisters, it came before everybody. You know how it is when you're young, you know, and you're a man, and there's women, and there's money, and there's music, and you love music. Music gets a lot of people in trouble. I just I wanted to be with all the women I can be with. By the time Mary was nine, her father had already moved out of their apartment once. And in the summer of 1979, Thomas and Cora split for good. It was a point where they just couldn't get along anymore. And instead of fighting and fussing all the time, you know, they, they both went their separate ways. He left forever, you know, and, and I loved him. He was the best thing since, I, like, since cooked food, you know? And when he left, I got angry at him because he started something in me. He started something in me and then he just left me like that. Short of money, Cora moved her girls to a tough neighborhood in Yonkers, New York. The Schlobaum housing project was known to its residents as Schlobaum, and from day one, it had an explosive effect on Mary and her family. From that day on, we were savage, and it was, it was every man for themselves. And um, we, we had to, like, take the fear and say, forget the fear, we gotta fight for our lives out here. To survive the streets, Mary adopted the rigid rules of ghetto life, pushing aside her femininity. I mean, stuff like that turns you into a tomboy. You start hanging around guys. You start, you actually become, you know, one of them. The way you sit, the way you talk, you know, and the way you fight. Trust me, Mary is a thug. Mary hung out with the You know, she had her girlfriends, but all the dudes, they always came at her, like, with respect. Like, yo, that's Mary right there. She hard, like, you know what I'm saying? But Mary's tough exterior hit a growing internal anguish one that grew with each slight she received from the outside world. Grown people were calling me big foot, big lips, donkey butt, you're ugly, you're never gonna finish school, you stupid, and you reach a point where it's like, nobody loves me. For Mary, there was only one escape from the harsh realities of life. She's sitting in the mirror early in the morning, and you know, she just always be singing, walking through the house. Singing made me forget about all my problems and how we were living. That was my happiness. By the age of 10, Mary was singing regularly in a church choir. 
but the pull of the street soon proved too powerful. As a teen, Mary abandoned God's word for drugs, alcohol, and late-night parties. I party hard as a teenager. I mean, I've experienced everything other than I never did crack, though. That's the only thing that I was like, no way. But, um, you know, from weed, cocaine, tabs, stuff like that, you know. By the fall of 1987, school was getting in the way of Mary's partying and personal life. So at the age of 16, she dropped out of high school, leaving her mother angry and disappointed. It wasn't even the dropping out of school that made her sick. It was just everything. It was the, you know, the disobedience, the, you know, the doing the drugs. And I guess the dropping out of school was like, you know, enough. That's I'll tell you what. I said, since you don't feel like going to school, I don't feel like taking care of you anymore. I said, that's the deal, right? I said, you don't go to school, I don't take care of you. And that's where, you know, that's when I just said, okay, well, fine, I'm just do what I do and do me. Mary moved out of her mother's apartment and stayed with friends. She moved back in a few months later, but she and her mother barely spoke. Still, even with all the turmoil, Mary continued to sing. In the spring of 1988, at age 17, she came across a recording booth set up for the public at a mall near Yonkers. Mary stepped into the booth and sang soulfully into the machine. I was afraid to hear it back because you hear my voice back. It's like, I didn't like it at that time, but you know, everybody loved it. Mary had no idea, but her spur of the moment song was about to change the course of hip hop music. 17 year old Mary J. Blige seemed on a road to nowhere when she made a karaoke tape at a New York mall in the spring of 88. A tape that Mary soon shared with her mother's new boyfriend, Jimmy Dillard. He loved it. He was all happy about it. And he was like, I know somebody that can help you. I know somebody. And, and I'm looking at him like, <laughs> like well, who you know that can help me? The man Jimmy had in mind was Jeff Red, an aspiring singer and co-worker at a nearby auto plant. I said, OK, well, you know, bring a tape in, you know, see what I can do. When I heard the tape, I heard a lot of pain and a lot of joy at the same time, which was and still is the voice of young America. In July of 89, Jeff signed a record deal with Uptown Entertainment, a fledgling label that was home to rising stars like Heavy D and Jodeci. Although Uptown had never signed a female artist, Jeff gave Mary's tape to company CEO Andre Harrell. When I heard her voice, it was so beyond anything else I've ever experienced or had the opportunity to work with. It wasn't even a thought about signing her. I couldn't wait to sign her. By the summer of 1990, Mary was a regular at Uptown Records Manhattan headquarters. There, she struck up a friendship with a young intern named Sean Puffy Combs. I didn't have no status. She didn't even start her album yet, so we were like both two of the low people on the totem pole, just, you know, hanging out, just talking about, you know, our dreams and aspirations. While Mary was waiting to record her first album, Uptown's A&R director quit. So Puffy convinced Andre Harrell to give him the job. It was my job to like get the artists started that were on the shelves. And Mary's one of the artists that had it, her project wasn't yet started, it was on the shelf. And no, nobody really knew what to do with her. Although Mary was appearing on songs headlined by other uptown acts, no one knew how to market her as a solo artist, typical of mainstream R&B. I mean, I was just a thug. Whatever, you, whatever that is, whatever it looked like, I was that, I was not a girl. She was straight out the hood, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, 
she, she'll fight in a minute, she put it down. She'll hang out all night, you know what I'm saying? At the drink of 40, she rolled with the guys. She rolled hard, you know? I just came as a little tomboy, you know? And Puffy took a chance, you know, because he's from the same elements. And he knew exactly what I was, and he took a chance for me. As Puffy and Mary began working together, Mary got something going with another uptown artist. When she began dating Casey Haley of the R&B group Jodeci. I always wanted a, this mysterious musician that was halfway crazy and, and handsome. You know, the whole thing, I wanted somebody like my father. As Casey's personal relationship with Mary deepened, Puffy had a professional brainstorm. Mary's street vibe was combined with her heartfelt voice to create an entirely new musical genre called hip-hop soul. No one had ever made the connection, let's use hip-hop and R&B together. So between Puffy and Mary, they came up with this idea, and it really, really worked. No one had to sing over real raw hip-hop beats, almost to be like, you know, she was a rap artist, even though she was singing. This girl is soulful. She's from the street. She has a lot of different things that you can just infuse and make, you know, something different. In the spring of 92, Uptown Records released Mary's single, Real Love, and it quickly became a radio smash. Still, it would be months before Mary's debut album hit store shelves, and until then, the R&B princess would live like a pauper. Here I am, a star, I don't even know it. Real Love is blasting, just going up the charts and doing well, but I'm still in the projects. Walking up the hill, no money, still, you know, surviving, still fighting, still trying to get out. Everything still remained the same because we still was broke. <laughs> we still didn't have anything. So we were just sitting in the house like, oh, like, you know what I mean? We didn't really, we didn't understand it, that it was like for real. But it was for real. And when What's the 411 hit record stores in the summer of 92, Mary's soul-driven stylings were hailed as funky, gritty, and relentlessly raw. I think it's that emotion and that rawness that draw people to Mary. They feel like when you hear Mary's music, you feel as if you are experiencing what she's singing about. My passion for performing and the music that I deliver is just from pain, it's just from struggling. So my passion comes from the real deal, the truth, the street, the drugs, the whole entire thing. With a stunning five top 10 singles, What's the 411 quickly went platinum, but Mary would soon discover that success was not always sweet. Next, obliges adjust to life in the burbs, and later, Mary's misery, when Behind the Music continues. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 21-year-old Mary J. Blige had hit it big in the summer of 92 with her album, What's the 411? But at first, the journey from poverty to Platinum Act seemed unreal. When everything happened and, and the record, you know, took off like it did, it still didn't really mean anything, man, because I didn't understand. I didn't understand it. But producer Puffy Combs did understand. Mary had the makings of a major star. Despite the fact that Mary had only one album to her credit, Puffy anointed her the queen of hip-hop soul. And no one really questioned it because what she was doing was so unique and it was hip-hop soul and it was brand new. She deserved the title. I mean, you know, if we was going to do it and it's never been done, we was going to do it in a big way. When Mary J. Blige came in as the queen of hip-hop soul, she kicked the door down. By the fall of 92, the money from her music was finally reaching Mary. So she decided to move her family out of the projects, buying her mother and half-brother a home on a quiet street in suburban New Jersey. I'm like, oh, like, where the hell are we at? From hearing, like, police every night and people outside, the music playing and all types of stuff in my head, gunshots, and then to just move to New Jersey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that scares you. <laughs> like, the gunshots, that's like, all right, that's gunshots. But the crickets was like, ah, what the f is that? <laughs> the home in Jersey was more than a change of scene for the Blige's. It was also the beginning of a painfully slow healing process between Mary and her mother. I still really wasn't seeing her. I couldn't really deal with her. She couldn't deal with me. She was still mad at me. I was like, you know, whatever. Despite her status as a platinum recording star, Mary J. Blige was still haunted by the damage and doubts of her childhood. I didn't have any self-confidence. I didn't have any self-love. Everything was hate towards myself, so, you know, how could I have expectations for someone to love anything that I did? I didn't have any confidence in what I was doing. Things were going good, but things weren't going good. People think, because you're a singer and you got number one single or your album is platinum, everything is happy. You know, everything just wasn't happy. In public, Mary hid her insecurities well. We were still there, even though we had a little bit of money mentally. However, we dressed it up, but we dressed it down. It was about survival. It was about, if you say something negative to me, I'm going to punch you in your face. If you say something negative to me, I'm going to curse you out. 
As her record sales grew, so did Mary's bad reputation. She showed up late and even drunk to several interviews with the media. The Mary J. Blige stories of her, you know, demanding this and showing up late to that and never taking her sunglasses off were kind of legendary. I think that a lot of times inner city artists or artists from humble beginnings, they feel intimidated by the media at first. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to respect the interviewer because I thought that they were trying to hurt me. I thought everybody was trying to hurt me. Despite the turmoil, What's the 411 continued its phenomenal success, eventually selling three million copies. In the winter of 1992, Mary began a world tour, sharing the bill with her boyfriend, KC. Mary's relationship with the singer had evolved into a painfully emotional affair. She probably looked at KC as a father image. I'm sure she did. She missed that. KC and Mary were very interesting. Their love affair, it was a very dynamic uh, relationship. In February of 93, during a performance on MTV Unplugged, the passion and intensity of Mary and Casey's relationship became impossible to ignore. They did MTV Unplugged with Uptown, and she does a duet with Casey, and you see it, and that is it. Like, if you didn't know they were going out, watch that video, and you did. And the song itself, I don't want to do anything else. It explains exactly how I felt. You know, if, if I couldn't love you, I didn't want to love anybody else. And, you know, I really did think I was in love, you know. You know, but things hurt. Things hurt, and especially during, during performances with him. But as they continued the tour, Casey and Mary's magnetic chemistry turned volatile. I remember Casey saying the duet, and he was singing to the ladies, and evidently, Mary felt that he was being a little too friendly. And during her intermission, I was standing in the audience and, you know, five minutes passed, 10 minutes passed, 15 minutes passed. Then it finally hit me that there must be a beef. So I ran downstairs and Mary and Casey were having this screaming match. We both were young. There were things running through his head. There were things running through my head. You know, it, things just weren't working. To Mary, her anguish over Casey was directly related to her disappointment over another man, her father Thomas. The two had barely seen each other since Mary was nine. I was mad at him, you know, mad at everything, mad at the world, no self-love, no respect for myself. So I was drawing people that treated me like I wanted to be treated. As Mary's misery deepened, she relied more heavily than ever on drugs in a blur of parties and people. There was a lot of abusers around. There was a lot of drugs around. And there was a lot of me abusing drugs around. There was a lot of me staying up for weeks and weeks with no sleep and going to photo shoots high. We all were going down. In July 1993, Mary returned to the studio with Puffy Combs, who had formed a new label called Bad Boy Entertainment after being fired from Uptown Records. Puffy encouraged Mary to find inspiration in her anguish. We did what's the 411, and we addressed some issues, and we basically wrote a script for you, but it's now time for you to be the, the script writer and write really what, what's going on in your life and how you feeling right now. And she would just air it out. It would be a reason for her to write about what she was going through. I mean, sometimes she would be crying on certain songs, but it would be crazy hot, though, because it's the feeling behind the song. Within a few months, Mary had a number of deeply personal songs, songs that would form the basis of her sophomore album, 
My Life. She had a whole body of songs that just opened up her broken heart to the whole world. And she had a song, the title song of her album, My Life, where I remember in the lyrics she said, if you could look in my eyes and see what I see. And I was ready to die on the My Life album. I was ready to just end it all and move on. So that's why the My Life album is so very like heart-wrenching to people and it grabs them and it makes them cry and because I was really down there. You know, I was really calling, you know, calling for help. I wanted, I needed help, you know. In November 1994, Mary J. Blige released her second album, My Life. It provided a painfully open and honest look at the struggles that plagued the soulful singer. I didn't have any self-love during the My Life album, so I felt like nobody loved me. With two top 10 hits, including I'm Going Down, My Life quickly went platinum. But with her turbulent relationship with KC coming to an end, Mary was in no mood to celebrate. Drugs started up heavier than ever. And you know, the, the lack of the, the self-love was even more effective. So instead of taking pills, I figured I'll sniff my life away. I just do drugs until I drop dead. I remember my sister was skinny, but she was like real, real skinny. And I remember when I hugged her, I didn't like how skinny my sister's hands were. And you know, I started crying because I was like, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? You know, what's up? But just as she seemed on the verge of losing control, Mary suddenly got the chance to begin healing one of the most painful wounds of her life. We did a show in Michigan and, um. My sister said, Mary, daddy's out there. And as mad as I was at him, you know, for so long, I went up to him and I just hugged him and cried and I was just happy, you know, that he was there. It felt like my daddy was home. I told her, I'm sorry for being an ASS, you know, for being um, <clears throat> selfish. And from that day on, we had to learn how to forgive and understand that nobody owes neither one of us anything. We owe it to each other to love one another. Mary began a slow reconciliation with her father, only to find herself suddenly competing for the attention of Puffy Combs. Puffy's newly formed record label, Bad Boy Entertainment, had become a hotbed for up-and-coming talent like singer Faith Evans. It was her and then me, when it used to be me and then everybody else. And I needed all the attention. I'm not saying this, in a, you know, in an arrogant, nasty way, but I needed the attention. She talked about it on right here on VH1. Yeah, okay. She's she's never. Nobody knows how why we really um, broke up. I don't know why we really broke. I didn't. I didn't know. I started after a while getting hints. In the spring of '95, after weeks of tension, Mary called it quits with Puffy, walking away from the man who had engineered her initial success. I came in the studio one day, and Puff was like, "Me and Mary don't work together." She just took control of her situation, and she all of a sudden went from a young little girl to just a woman. To many, it was a shocking move, but to Mary, it was a necessary step toward taking command of her life. I did it on my own because everyone else was like, you can't do it without Puff. You can't, Mary. But I didn't care anymore about doing it with or without him because, you know, I knew that I needed that attention and that he was given the other, you know, the other female. Well, I love you still, but I, I have to move on. But as Mary tried to make a new start, she was also dealing with some old demons. 
In July 1995, she was profiled in an Interview Magazine article that quickly became notorious. In a conversation with writer Veronica Webb, Mary came across as a drinking, cursing R&B diva who was always ready to rumble. I mean, everybody was faxing that article, Xeroxing that article. You had to go get that copy of Interview because Veronica Webb let Mary J. Blige have it. Mary says she was shocked by the article and felt that Veronica Webb had taken advantage of her openness. The liquor was off the record. It was all about me and her drinking. She was drinking with me. Then she gets in the magazine and says, this is what's bringing Mary J. Blige joy nowadays. Oh, I was so heated. Veronica Webb insists nothing she reported was off the record. Whatever happened, the incident was another in a series of events that caused Mary to question where her life was going. I was still fighting for my identity and, you know, trying to figure out who I was and trying to get it, but not quite getting it because I'm still abusing myself from drugs to men, you know? It just seemed like everything was like a nightmare to her. And I remember her saying, you know, this is not worth it. In the summer of 96, in the midst of her soul searching, Mary says she had a frightening experience in the world of drugs she frequently inhabited. While she is reluctant to describe the incident in detail, Mary says she found herself in a confrontation with someone who threatened her life. The breaking point was when a person literally, like the devil, showed up and said, I hate you. I'm, I'm going to kill you. And I don't want to go into too deep, but let me just say this. When your life is in the middle of somebody's hands, you, I mean, you start realizing there's something wrong with me. The terrifying scare was an epiphany for Mary. I said, I'm nuts. And I can't blame, you know, and then you have to stop pointing your finger at everybody. You got you to stop being like, you did it. You're the reason. You got to split yourself open and start digging. Start digging. And the thing that scares people, it hurts. Yeah, but it would hurt if you die tomorrow, too. So get it together right now so you can live long. From that moment on, Mary was dedicated to improving herself and her career. Only the strong survive. I mean, we all do stupid stuff like peer pressure. We end up on drugs or we end up... But the bottom line is you got to some kind of way come out. All I know is that one day I refuse to die. Next, no more drama. When Behind the Music continues. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. In the spring of 1997, Mary released her third album, Share My World and showcased a woman in the midst of a radical transformation. Share My World, she came out with the first single where she plays this executive, and she's talking to a little girl, then she goes to her office, then she's on a runway, and Mary was showing the world, this is me. This is a diverse woman, a strong woman, and a woman who is in control of her own destiny. Share My World sold two and a half million copies giving Mary the confidence she needed to make her own choices and her own music. She's been in this game and seen it from so many different levels. She got a chance to really get out and come back and see what really made sense. Mary was blossoming into a bona fide superstar. And when she returned to the studio in 1999 to record her fourth album, she was surrounded by legends like Aretha Franklin, Eric Clapton, and Elton John. I got a call from Jay Boberg from MCA Records and said Mary was um, going to do a song based on Benny and the Jets. Would I come and play on the record? Uh, and I said, absolutely. There was no convincing to be done. It was something that they all uh, uh, saw as a, a fantastic opportunity, an honor, if you will. Um, there was so much love for Mary and so much respect for her talent from these great artists. She was backed by a star-studded cast, but Mary had a role in writing almost every song on the self-titled album and the deeply personal record became a musical milestone. The bar was very, very high uh, because Mary knew that this was an important record for her. It was her maturing, her coming out. She kind of blossomed slowly. In Share My World, you see a kind of stronger Mary and almost with an attitude. And then on Mary, all of a sudden, there's this introspective, spiritual, sensual Mary evolving that um, kind of shocked people. It's like, wow, the softer side of Mary. The album was yet another platinum smash for Blige, and the best was yet to come. In August of 1999, Mary J. Blige released her star-studded fourth album. It revealed a woman who was finally finding peace after two decades of turmoil. Shaka Khan told me one thing, and I will never forget it. She said, get out of your own way. I guess that means learn how to forgive yourself for whatever it is you can't change. And let God take care of us. Mary renounced drugs and renewed her relationship with God, helping her to heal the rift with her father once and for all. My 
dad around the same time that I was on drugs, he was on drugs. We both were on drugs at the exact same time. He said, I need you to talk to me because there's some things that you know now that you can help me with. I learned to accept the spirit of God through her about this disease. I do the listening. I'm, I'm the child now. I listen to her. And that made me fall in love, like, in, like go back to a little girl and grab on his leg and ask him not to leave me. Because not only was he having problems as a grown man, he wanted to get advice from his baby girl. That means a lot for him to want to get advice from me. And I forgive him, you know, for everything he's, he's done, because that's what God says do. I gotta forgive him. And the relationship between Mary and her father isn't the only one that is mended. Time has brought Mary and her mother back together, too. She's a sweetheart. She just blamed Mary to me. That's all I can say, you know. And she's a loving daughter. A very much loving daughter. You know, we get along now. We get along real good. You know, I love her. She's, you know, she's the type of woman where you got to let her be her, you know, and don't step in the way of that. Mary's life has always been mapped out by her music, so when she released her fifth album, it was aptly entitled, No More Drama. No More Drama really reflects Mary and her thoughts, and really is now almost like a travel log for where Mary's at in her life. The title No More Drama comes basically from not having or dealing with anything that is going to keep me down anymore. Mary is turned into this being that loves everything and sees good in everything. Released in August 2001, No More Drama hit the top of the R&B charts within weeks, propelled by the number one smash single, Family Affair. It is powerful evidence that Mary's reign as the queen of hip hop soul has only just begun. Professionally in the future, I see Mary J. Blige going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, making big records and just crossing fields and just, you know, being felt all over the world. It's not gonna be a situation where, you know, people get tired of listening to Mary. That's not ever gonna happen. She's gonna be here until she's ready to retire. With a lifetime of drama behind her, Mary says she can now look to the future and being a role model to those who follow her. I feel a responsibility to my people to let them know that dreams do come true. And if you're hanging around dream killers, get away from them fast. Nobody in your house wants to hear you, but keep singing, keep being happy, keep praying, keep striving, because it's never too late, and don't let anybody tell you that it's not. Two years after No More Drama, Mary J. Blige reunited with producer Sean Combs for her sixth album, Love and Life. In 2005, she released her seventh studio album, The Breakthrough, which was nominated for eight Grammy Awards, winning Best Female R&B Vocal Performance, Best R&B Song, and Best R&B Album. In 2009, Blige took the stage at We Are One, the Obama inaugural celebration at the Lincoln Memorial to perform Lean On Me. Mary J. Blige's music reaches across genres. She has collaborated with a wide variety of musicians, including The Roots, U2, 50 Cent, Drake, and Andrea Bocelli. In June 2021, Amazon Studios released a documentary to celebrate the 25th anniversary of her album, My Life. Later that year, Blige announced the formation of her own record label, Mary Jane Productions. 
Three months later, she released her 14th studio album, Good Morning Gorgeous. In 2022, Mary J. Blige took the stage at the Super Bowl 56 halftime show, alongside Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, and Anderson Pack. Earlier this year, Time named Mary J. Blige one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Through the setbacks, the heartaches, and the drama, the queen of hip-hop soul has helped define and expand the world of R&B music. Listen and subscribe to Behind the Music on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to rate and review Behind the Music on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Want more episodes? You can watch Remastered, Best of the Vault, and new episodes of Behind the Music only on Paramount+. Plus. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.